This week's episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 29th of December 2021 at home in Wicklow. And I wanted to bring the year to a close with a very mellow, calm, uh, reflective, contemplative episode which I felt was quite a natural way to to end the year as uh, as I feel many of us do you get to the end of the year and there's a bit of a bit of a stock take feeling there's a bit of a a decompression a bit of a just a a pause of gathering oneself and holding oneself um, before we hit that end of year button so um so that's what it is it's a it's a nice gentle chilled episode a little bit of a reflection on the year that's been um there's a movie reference that i think links into a certain end of times thinking and i conclude uh, i conclude this episode with uh, a meditation a meditation that i've taken from the the wellness and uh, the wellness and sleep app aura uh, it's a meditation I, I did for the app earlier this year and I just felt it was a it might be a nice way I felt it was going to be a nice way to end the episode so so that's there at the end of the episode and if you get that far I hope you enjoy what you hear so without further ado uh, the clear out is next I'll see you there cheers Ooh, not gonna change my mind leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. How are you? We're very nearly there. It's almost the end of the year. We have a couple of days left. That's it. And it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> as ever, as ever, at the end of the year, it's um, it's a time that we naturally... Well, I, I certainly always feel for myself. It's 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 a time that we very naturally um, take stock. It's a time for, you know, for that inventory check of the previous twelve months, the three hundred and sixty-five days that have just been ticked off again, and there is something about the post-Christmas lull where the energy just drops right off and it's it's quite a nice time i find uh, a very nice time for a little bit of reflection um sometimes that can um, <laughs> you can be sometimes you can be ambushed by by what comes up by what uh, rises from the subconscious in those quiet moments the post frenzy moments all that all that rushing around all that preparation and all that food and drink and all that excess and merrymaking and sharing of the moment um tremendous it's tremendous sort of indulgence and gluttony in a way this kind of willful wanton gluttony um and i'm trying to use gluttony in a nice way there and disassociate it from its usual negative connotations 
we're basically, you know, slathering ourselves in trifle and more turkey and gravy and all the trimmings. Um, my God, I was I was overwhelmed <laughs> on Christmas Day. The food that the 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 board was heaving with food and. I mean, I bar- I could barely tolerate any alcohol because there was so much food to be consumed. Um, I drank very little. That's not that's not unusual for me, to be fair. But uh, but yeah, it was it was nice. I had a I had a nice Christmas. Thanks for asking. We had a nice Christmas here at hashtag Blessed, and my my cousin and his partner joined us, and it was really lovely actually. Um, but anyway, listen, really. I want this to be a very mellow, a very mellow, mellow uh, episode of the clear out to to wrap up the year. And I don't mind saying I'm quite proud of myself to um, have got this little project of mine, this podcast, to have got it off the ground back at the end of May, uh, not really knowing how it was going to go. And to have sustained uh, what is now 32 episodes, uh, this being the 32nd, and to have managed to put it out once a week, like clockwork, I am just going to give myself a little pat on the back and go, well done, me. I'm never afraid to do that within reason. Um, That's not an excess of self-regard. That is... I think uh, I think what is what is due <laughs> and I'll take it uh, in the absence of anybody else patting me on the back um, or patting me on the head in a patronizing way like a good dog. Uh, I'll do it for myself. Good boy. Well done. And you can't see it, but my little tail is wagging. I'm a happy dog. Wag, wag, wag. So, um, yeah. And that's what I mean about the about the inventory, about the stock take. We get to this time of year and it's like, wow, what a year. And I am certain, I am certain for some of you out there who are listening, it's been another monstrous year. The, uh, the enormity of the pressure of the pandemic, another year of the pandemic and restrictions and lockdowns and and yes infections some people getting the damn thing the covid and living with the the aftermath of that uh it's been another punishing year and i am certain there are those of you out there and i know some people personally who have been through some really tough stuff um there have been losses and there have been sicknesses and there have been near-death experiences and stress that stuff takes a toll you know in a it, it doesn't have to be a pandemic for that stuff not to take a toll but that's that constitutes punishing times what we have to withstand what we have to endure the the resources we have to find in ourselves to rally, to stand up, to to meet the challenge, to overcome what has been laying in our path. That is, it's what it's what humans are great at. I think 
I mean, that's that, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're amazing at adapting. We're amazing at dealing with what what is put in front of us to the best of our ability, you know, in any given moment. Um, that may not always be optimum performance. That may not always be optimum response. But it's what we do, isn't it? It's, it's part of our survival instinct and we are adaptable uh you know we people we humans we homo sapiens we're quite extraordinary in this regard i think um i mean we can stop and sing the praises of the animal kingdom and various darwinian adaptations to environment and that's all that's all you know that, that all justifies its own uh, applause and acclaim and fascination um but there's something about the way about the way we about the way we live about you know about human human what human endeavor and human striving and the human attempt to rein things in and pull things under control and to to build our happy homes, to feather our nests, to achieve what we set out to achieve. I mean, so much of it is, so much of it is a, it, 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 so much of it is a delusion. So much of it is, it's, it's, a, it's a form, it's a form of denial of the messiness of life. So much of it is, you know it's it's a tiny tiny little umbrella against an an enormous an enormous uh tsunami of seawater that's about to come crashing down and yet we think no i've done a lot to you know to to, to make this umbrella perfect i have it just the way i want it and i'm gonna push that right into the face of that tsunami and i'm gonna hold tight and put my shoulder into it and that tsunami is going to wash over me and it's going to be tough but I'm still going to be here on the other side of it and I think for many of us that's what the the pandemic experience has been for this you know a full 12 months a full 12 months of it in 2021 and the rollout of vaccines and was getting vaccinated the right thing to do? Did we respond well to it? Did we respond really badly to it? Uh, I personally got my my booster shot today, so that's a third dose of something. Um, my first two vaccinations were Pfizer, and this was a Moderna vaccine, which my 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 doctor administered that today, and he was like, "Look, this the percentages of." Uh, effectiveness of this one are a little bit higher at the moment and I was like yeah look and I and I said <laughs> I said I can't emphasize how little anxiety I have about this I'm very accepting that the experts are very far away from where I am <laughs> and they're making the decisions about what should come down the track and I'm like okay just give it to me stick it in my arm and I'll get on to the rest of my day thanks very much um, now that's a luxury that I have my wife as a frontline worker the doctor himself he was like look we have to stay on top of every bit of information every latest development every latest revelation from the research and we can't afford to be blasé or unthinking or not anxious about this 
um and yeah i i acknowledge that and i was acknowledging that to my wife just the other night we were talking about it like she's been out there in the world with the pandemic on the front line um in her particular job at the moment whereas i've been a little home bunny in the burrow and here another tale a little bunny tail just bunnying away at home doing my projects teaching martial arts and creating content for the wellness app and doing the podcast and being the stay-at-home dad um, and doing what I have to do in, in that capacity and trying to stay fit and keep my own mental health on the right track and all of that takes effort all of that takes a conscious commitment to produce to produce the material that I'm producing, to bring good energy to my students, to bring good energy to the podcast, to bring good energy and good creativity to the wellness app Aura that I've been producing stuff for now for about six months. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's it's an ongoing effort and I'm very lucky in that that's stuff I enjoy doing it um, it's not particularly financially rewarding yet but I view all of these things as long-term projects so in that regard I look at this year as a very personally speaking I look at it as a look at look at it as a very successful year um, certainly a very auspicious year in terms of getting a few projects off the ground and committing to them and that does seem to be something that over the years I've shown myself to be good at to be able to commit and maintain discipline and maintain routine there's a um, there's a there's a sort of a conservative impulse in that um, I think it drives my wife mad I think she'd like well I think she sees it as a, a lack of a lack of spontaneity <laughs> but um I go, no, this is this is the scaffolding upon which I will live um, well and calmly uh, with a sense of control, no matter how illusory that may be. Anyway, I, it wasn't my intention to um, to bang on about myself in this way. Um, I was more interested and I am more interested for this episode just to just to sort of acknowledge how how well i think we've we've all done how well we've all had to do to get through another year of this very strange altered reality that is so unsatisfying on on so many levels that doesn't really it doesn't really allow the full the full expression of who we are it doesn't it hasn't allowed the full expression of our social impulse. And that is, that is a deprivation. And it doesn't really matter, you know, how well off you are. It's not really a material situation. Although certainly, you, you know, you may be materially more comfortable and in a nicer place or be able to, I don't know. I mean, the, the, whatever the implications are of that, there's still 
there's still a deprivation involved when you haven't been able to see your friends or you haven't been able to interact with the people you care about in the way you normally would in that in you know in a way you don't have to think about and there is a spontaneity of course in natural human interaction and an ability to respond to our positive impulses to act upon them and to exchange energy um uh and that in many ways is something that has been taken away and you know it it, it remains to be seen i mean this this um this state of caution and this state of anxiety and concern and this state of frustration um and anger and paranoia um and suspicion for for some people i mean you know there's a lot of people who have taken very strong anti-vaccine stances and people have embraced a certain amount of conspiracy thinking and you know i'm not i'm not here to judge that i think that position comes from very you know deeply held convictions it comes from a lot of anxiety a lot of fear it comes from anger it comes from a sense of helplessness powerlessness it comes from a sense of frustration with the you know maybe the 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 flow of information access to more nuanced balanced uh information and dialogue um about the pros and cons of the vaccine um I mean, I, I, I haven't really gone there myself, as I said, because I've just been very accepting of um, of medical bodies, of scientists, of, I mean, what, of pharmaceutical companies? Am I going that far? Oh, yeah, I've always, I've always trusted Pfizer from a young age. I always felt they had my best interests at heart. I'm not really saying that. I mean, I just think the pharmaceutical companies, you know, they're the, they're just the machine. Um, there are, I don't know, I just kind of think scientists are, they're on the side of good. <laughs> is, that, is that completely naive? Is that an absurd thing to say? Um, it's, oh, look, I, 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 I have nothing to qualify that with. It's, um, that's my own notional kind of idealism that makes an assumption that many, many, the vast majority of scientists are vocational they're trying to improve humanity's experience. Um, I mean, and look, how broad a term is scientists anyway? But uh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, yeah. So what is the conclusion of this this meander? <laughs> this long, long point. Uh, the conclusion is... Again, the conclusion is, my goodness, if you're like me, don't you feel exhausted? Aren't you feeling wrecked? Aren't you tired after this huge year that's been yet another massive juggling act of what to do, what not to do, keeping your anxiety in check, trying to do best foot forward planning uh, trying to exercise a certain amount of control, impulse control, regulate those impulses, try to keep the anger and frustration at bay, 
trying to still enjoy a certain quality of life and also you know having to to look around at the people who are in your life and having to accept that they might not be responding in the same way that you are that may they may have a very different frame through which they're looking at this this new world we find ourselves in um and so again i just say yeah hasn't it been hasn't it been tiring and isn't it nice to get to the end of this year and isn't it nice to contemplate the turning over of a new calendar to think okay maybe maybe there are better things to come next year and look it would seem the received wisdom is telling us that the coronavirus is going to roll and roll and obviously Omicron has arrived and is rampant and it seems there are many many more people uh, becoming infected and it seems it's less vicious um, less impactful than the earlier iterations of the virus and maybe this is how it's going to continue to go it'll come it'll be more widespread it'll be less potent until it's something we can live with quite easily and maybe we're all going to get infected at some point uh, you know at some level and just hopefully if you do get infected it meets you at a time when your your immune system is in pretty good shape and able to withstand it and you can kind of soldier on um but my advocacy is you do what you have to do to stay safe you act according to your own knowledge of your own body your own system and don't be afraid to tell people to back off until you're very much comfortable with uh, letting them closer um that is your right so there you go now what do i want to talk about now I'm still in this sort of reflective what a year it's been mode of thinking and obviously I am focusing a little bit on the travails and uh, tough times that many of us have experienced and putting that into the context of this division of time that you know that we use to understand our lives the chronology the, the temporal line, another year chalked off, another year older, another year wiser, another year less stupid, another year more stubborn. I don't know. That's not for me to say. Um, another year of learning is how I like to, to think of it. Um, certainly there's been stuff that's happened to me this year in my relationship, in my life that requires looking at that requires learning from that is asking me to to step up in a new way in a different way in a healthier way as i face into a new year and as challenging as that's been i welcome i welcome the opportunity to be better i welcome the opportunity to to adapt I welcome the opportunity to try and 
create something nicer, something stronger, something more resilient. I welcome the opportunity to try and invite more positivity and love into my life. And hopefully those things will happen. Um, yeah. So I was watching... I was watching um, a Frank Capra movie the other day and it was one I hadn't seen before. I, I, I remember I, I managed to get my hands on it last year. I, I didn't get around to watching it and I was kind of, I had it in my back pocket as a quiet Christmas afternoon one to watch this year. And so the other day, my wife and daughter, I'd been out. I wasn't in, I wasn't in great form. I was like kind of taking a bit of a, negative headspace turn and got got a bit dark but i took myself off i took went down to the sea and was hoping to swim but it was too rough and that was not helpful <laughs> that didn't do anything for my mood i just sat in my car and sulked <laughs> and looked at the sea and i was like damn you see for being too rough i just don't have the I, I, you know, I've I've definitely put myself into water like that before and I would have been, you know, and, and I'm confident that I could have got into it that day and been fine. But sometimes it's knowing. It's knowing when to put yourself into the battle. It's knowing when to pick that fight. And I just knew I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the energy to, to brazen it out um, and keep my head in the right place to be safe in that rough water um and so i was like no it's too rough it's too rough for my headspace today it's too rough for where my head is at and i just sat in my car for probably 45 minutes um and looked straight out at this roiling churning sea and was very cranky about it <laughs> and i came home um having not had the release of the swim not having had the decompression effect the 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 exercise altering catharsis that the sea normally delivers to me um now i came home my wife and daughter were just about to sit down to watch james cameron's avatar which was i think from 2010 wasn't it late 2009 early 2010 um a great sort of sci-fi entertainment um and i just knew i wasn't really in the mood to watch that so i took myself off to a separate couch in another room with my laptop and my and uh, my 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 version of the frank capra movie which was 1938's you can't take it with you and i enjoyed it quite a lot um and it had some of those stock capra players uh, particularly james stewart and lionel barrymore both of whom feature much more prominently in uh, it's a wonderful life several years later but um it's a movie based on the hart and kaufman play of the same name so moss hart and george s Kaufman were playwrights um, in the the twenties and thirties in uh, you know in in America, and I think Kaufman had already been a 
successful playwright um, in his own right and may have already been doing screenplays and a bit of directing and then a younger playwright joined forces with him Moss Hart and they did about six plays together um, one of which was uh, a play I referred to the movie made about that but you know the movie version of that play a couple of weeks ago in my Christmas movies episode The Man Who Came to Dinner um, which I said starred Monty Woolley who cropped up in The Bishop's Wife which I also referred to in that episode and I watched The Bishop's Wife very happily on Christmas Eve when I was pottering around the kitchen doing the various prep for Christmas Day and Monty Woolley is actually lovely in The Bishop's Wife it's a very nice performance um, but anyway this playwriting team of Hart and Kaufman they wrote that one The Man Who Came to Dinner and they wrote the play that you can't take it with you is based on the play of the play of the same name and they wrote the screenplay then for the movie that Frank Capra directed and fundamentally it's a I suppose it's an you know ideological uh, conflict um, movie about you know the wealthy and cynical versus the poor but happy brigade and James Stewart is the son of this enormously wealthy banking family who've been successful bankers for thousands of years he tells us and James Stewart is the sort of very and you know he's a lot younger than in 1938 and he's a he's a long streak as he as he always was throughout his career but he's the sort of um you know goofy uncaring whimsical son who charms everyone and he falls in love with the secretary at the the bank is his his father's secretary played by Jean Arthur and Jean Arthur comes from a family of uh of what there I think I saw one review refer to them as sort of anarchists um but they're not they're just sort of free thinkers I suppose and Lionel Barrymore is the the patriarch and he plays a character that couldn't be further from um, James Stewart's nemesis in It's a Wonderful Life, where he plays the the dark um, banker in, in, in Bedford Falls, uh, the, the town that James Stewart is, is in, in It's a Wonderful Life. But here in You Can't Take It With You from several years earlier, he's this wonderfully sort of jolly... Um, yeah, wonderfully jolly, good-humoured, philosophical patriarch who, in his, I guess, in his middle age, the character's middle age, decided, like, the hard-working life was was madness. And he wasn't going to be bothered with it anymore. And he, he just walked out of the office and was like, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to live um, without that stress and pressure in my life. And... I'm going to take it very easy and just, you know, follow my kind of impulses and not be concerned about the rat race. And he has this, you know, his family um, over over which he is the patriarch. They're just this, you know, bunch of, um, I don't want to say misfits, but characters who are all living very harmoniously, pursuing their own little things 
Um, there's you know this kind of trio of older guys who are in the basement making all sorts of knickknacks and homemade fireworks. There's a a granddaughter who wants to be a, a ballet dancer, but she's not very good. But she's forever dancing around the house. She's married to this uh, southern guy who plays the xylophone with great enthusiasm. And that actor, oh, I want to call him Dub Taylor, he later, I knew he looked familiar, I was watching him, and imagine this was 1938, but he cropped up later in Bonnie and Clyde. Now, Bonnie and Clyde is one of, you know, the two or three films which are considered the, the seminal um, kind of origin movies of the new Hollywood that took over in the, the, the sort of late 60s and 70s in Hollywood and brought us kind of the the auteur directors like uh, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola and De Palma and um, Spielberg and um, you know, Robert Altman and Hal Ashby and Peter Bogdanovich and all of these guys um, and Dub Taylor is the he plays the father of one of Bonnie and Clyde's gang and he sets them up for the fateful ambush that sees them riddled with machine gun bullets uh, at the very end of the movie I remember seeing that scene as a as a child and being utterly chilled by it um and you know and the violence in bonnie and clyde was quite shocking um at the time and, and, and as a kid when i saw it i remember you, you had that sense of that, that kind of sickening oof you know the hard hitting impact of the the kind of uncompromising violence but the the way they ended um absolutely as i say riddled with this ambush of machine gun fire and it was it was Dub Taylor who set them up and Dub Taylor there he is in 1938's You Can't Take It With You um, and in any case you're you're probably getting the general gist of the movie so basically what you have is this family of kind of happy poor loons come up in opposition against uh, Gene Arthur's rich uh, sorry against James Stewart's rich banking family and ultimately it's it's quite sentimental at the end where the the cynical banker who's the patriarch of his particular clan and the patriarch of the banking sector it would seem he has his sort of moist dewy-eyed moment of oh what have i done you know i'm missing the point here i need you know to maintain my relationship with my son and i just need to sit down here and play the harmonica with lionel barrymore and you know everything will be well in the world again and you know it's 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 not that convincing but overall it ha- you know it stands up very well now what i thought was interesting there were two things that came out of that movie the other day one was james stewart's character on a night out his one of his dates with jean arthur they're out in the park at night and he's telling her well look i'm not really that interested in banking you know really what i'm passionate about is and he basically lays out um, his, 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 his concept of solar power uh, and how he and a pal from high school or from college had this idea to harness the power of the sun, uh, the, the power that makes grass green 
and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. 1938, and here's this character, and he's talking about green power, alternative power. Um, so that was that was quite striking. Um, you know, because we kind of think, oh no, that only that's only these are only relatively recent innovations. Um, also, the Lionel Barrymore character at one point early enough in the movie he's reflecting on you know modern times and as i say 1938 and he's gone like it seems nowadays you know if if you if you disagree with someone they want to drop a bomb on you uh, or they want to blow your brains out i can't remember the exact phrasing but i just thought wow like there he is in 1938 and he's tapping into this you know the the, the polarization of of political debate the polarization of opinion and the you know the divisiveness and to to disagree with someone would result in a, a bomb being dropped on you and i thought that was striking and if you haven't done the math already uh that's 83 years ago have i got that right yes i have 83 years ago and i don't even know when uh, Hart and Kaufman wrote the play it was probably a year or two before that um, but that sort of jumped out at me so even then you have this character a very charming character by the way in Lionel Barrymore pointing out like the madness of the the, the madness of being Disale- you know, the madness of not being allowed to disagree with someone. Sorry, I struggled to get that out. The madness of not being allowed to disagree with someone. And it would seem to me, you know, over the last couple of years, this this kind of polarizing dynamic that has happened, this kind of zero sum game of, you know, agree with me and you're a friend for life, disagree with me and I absolutely hate you and you're 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 useless and you must be some sort of uh you know sub intellectual moron um and it seems you know it's basically you're either in or you're out and there's nothing in between and and i mean i have spoken about this a little bit in in other episodes um i spoke about it in that episode i did not that long ago on leadership and i was looking at sort of the the way political debate um, has gone in the United States and the effect that that seems to have had on the United, uh, the you know the population, the larger populace of the United States, um, in their everyday back and forths and what passes for critical you know political commentary on the various news outlets and the media. Um, and the scenes that we have seen over the last couple of years in America with the street protests and, you know, the, the, the sort of the atrocities and the horror shows there. And it, it, you know, and I'm talking about America now, but I mean, it does, it does seem, and I've conceded this, it does seem that that has bled into the way a lot of us are, um, or, you know, the way a lot of people are expressing themselves. Um, and it seems to be a very, very hostile world out there and of course to draw this back to my sort of opening argument um you know fear and anxiety and a sense of powerlessness or hopelessness or you know this this a sense of being 
disenfranchised or disempowered, that can all lead to hostility. That can lead to this sense of being unheard, unvalued, unappreciated, and the 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 the, the anger and resentment that ensue from that that shut out that can get very spiky very quickly indeed and to you know and to have you know to, and to have a little confessional moment if you'll indulge me certainly you know i i found it's been a, it's been quite a tough year in in my marriage and me you and know, my wife and i have had our our moments and the you know our, our own um, communication has broken down and, and resentments resentments build up and you find you're you're speaking you're speaking to someone you really care about in ways that aren't very nice and you go this this doesn't make sense and that's born of frustration it's born of senses of hurt of rejection of misunderstanding and um you know, it look, I mean, it, you know, what can I tell you? I mean, anyone who's been in a relationship for a long time, they will just go, that's the way of it. That's what happens. Um, but it's it's an additional pressure. And I think the pandemic has applied additional pressure to those pressures. And it, so it's all, it's all a pressure. It's a pressure cooker. And what comes out of a pressure cooker? Soggy potatoes. <laughs> that's my memory of pressure cookers. I just remember like, you know, you do potatoes in a pressure cooker and they just come out like mash. Um, and you're if you're someone who used a pressure cooker, you're probably thinking you just weren't using it properly. And to that, I say you're probably right. And I don't consider that a major crime in my life. So I'm just going to move along. Um, but anyway, what's the point I'm trying to get to here the point I'm trying to get to to go back to you can't take it with you is that 83 years ago in that film you had commentary commentary on how people were interacting that's relevant to today you also had someone talking about their desire to uh, to create a way to harness solar power and I thought they were both pretty cool things and I think there's a point here that I'm trying to make that is that is, there is always a sense that the the world has gone to hell. <laughs> and so 83 years ago, James Stewart's character is like, there's got to be a better way to, to provide energy and power to the world. And uh, Lionel Barrymore's character is despairing of the attritional nature of having a, a different opinion to to your neighbor um and certainly we're living in a moment now um you know 20 what's about to be 22 years into the 21st century where there's a sort of a, a global climate of of um you know of, of instability a global climate of uncertainty a global a global climate of of fear that irreparable damage cannot be well 
but by very nature of saying irreparable damage it's you know damage that cannot be repaired to the planet um climate change um has never felt more urgent more present more um more brutally more brutally sort of final um and obviously we're we've been living for the last several years in extremely fractious political times in many uh, many western democracies um my my father likes to say that the the crisis of capitalism is upon us um the the the, the ever accelerating uh, wealth inequality um i mean again these are things i have touched upon in in, in recent episodes uh, but I think the point I'm trying to make about what struck me about watching this 83-year-old movie is that we're we're always sort of in that headspace of, you know, things are terrible, um, which is not to diminish the, the things I just mentioned about this current moment in, in, in history. But I know I, I wrote about... Uh, you know, I wrote about this uh, this aspect of the human experience a couple of years ago on um, theclearout.com I'll um, I'll include that uh, that post in in the description if you if you care to read it but I was quoting Shakespeare and I was quoting Hamlet and there's a, a passage in Hamlet where he the, the the prince who has lost his father and who is engaging with tremendous sort of grief and despair at the state of humanity and he has a very famous um a very famous description of where his head's at and how he views life and and i quote he says I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, foregone all custom of exercises, and indeed it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame the earth seems to me a sterile promontory. This most excellent canopy, the air, look you, this brave o'erhanging firmament, firmament this majestical roof fretted with golden fire why it appeareth no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours and that's the Shakespeare and my comment on that was so roughly 400 years ago Shakespeare via the depressed prince was basically saying everything's fecked and I added, now I have no idea if Elizabethans were as concerned with end times as we are in 2019, which is what it was at the time of writing. But the play was written in or around the start of a new century. So maybe some bleak navel gazing was only natural. And I concluded rhetorically, can we be consoled by the fact that feeling we've ruined everything is nothing new under the sun? And that's the end of that extract from the, the blog post. 
Um, but that's kind of the point I'm trying to make in, in relation to what came up in my mind um, having looked at You Can't Take It With You from 1938. And there is a sense that we do this stock take, we do this inventory and we go, oh my goodness, we really have made a right bloody mess of things. Um, and maybe in a, a year's time, we'll be saying the same thing or maybe we'll feel it's been a mess that's been tidied up. I don't know. But I think it would be very understandable. I think it is very understandable if you're feeling somewhat shattered and somewhat wrecked and it's not just i mean this is the pattern every year you get to christmas and there's that i used the word frenzy earlier uh, i don't think that's an exaggeration there's this kind of frenetic pace um, and frenetic busyness to try and pull things together to to have that one great day and you're sort of saving yourself for the big indulgent moment and then you do it and then you just collapse like a like a burst zeppelin afterwards you just come slowly back down to earth with a flop um it's not an explosion it's not a it's not a dramatic collapse it's just suddenly all the wind is gone out of your sails and there's a, a deflation. <laughs> and in some I think and I think I think it's welcome. I think it's a welcome moment of massive outbreath. And just to go, my goodness, got through another one. Uh let's not even think about what's coming next. Let's just be here in this moment. And that's really why I wanted to call this episode. A quiet moment because that's what I wanted it to be and I actually you may have noticed a slight stumble about 10 minutes ago I had to um I had to press pause and go down to my daughter she she woke up um my wife's on a night shift tonight so I had to go down to my daughter she woke up she was a bit distressed and ironically <laughs> ironically i to 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 calm her down um having comforted having comforted her and you know got her back into a more relaxed state and got her back lying down with the duvet over her i um i put on i offered to put on some nice calm music to help her go back to sleep and i chose arvo parts for alina which which You'll only get this if you've listened to the first episode of the podcast back uh, at the end of May. Um, we had a bit of a row about that particular piece of music uh, earlier this year. And my daughter gave me hell over it. But she's down there now. I'm pretty confident she's gone back to sleep listening to that lovely piece of relaxing music um, late, late, late at night. Um, so there you go. Anyway, I I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it there. Um, I had a couple of more bits of business um, before I do my sort of my sign off. Um, I was looking. Sorry, I just knocked the mic there. I was looking at the the wellness app Aura, 
that um, I've been, you know, creating content for for um, the last six months, and I I came across I hadn't seen it before, but someone had left a a comment on a meditation that I produced for the app, and I did a meditation on accepting unmet expectations and i think i think that's a um i think that's a very good area to um to explore in terms of our mental health and wellness and you look at a year like this year and many of us may have come into the start of 2021 thinking okay we're gonna we're gonna put this bloom and coronavirus to bed it's going to be a year of restoration of wellness of reconnection and in many ways it turned out to be uh, not that at all and it turned out to be in many ways worse than the previous year um it does take its toll it has taken its toll for some people in the gravest ways but for many of us who haven't been infected um or haven't gotten sick from it there is just that fatigue of having to to deal with all the other implications of it and that takes its toll over time and i think and men you know and i I think many people agree with this position that there is going to be a severe mental health fallout on the other side of all of this it's i mean it's already happening um but that idea of expectations not being met i mean that's that's very that's very relevant i feel for this past this past 12 months um, those unmet expectations of expecting to be reconnecting, expecting to be moving freely, expecting to be traveling overseas, feeling safe, expecting for this whole thing to be done and dusted. Um, in any case, I did this meditation um, probably in a more generic way of looking at expectations in our lives and accepting you know, when we can't control outcomes and accept accepting when we can't control other people's responses or behaviors and i was just flicking through the uh the app because i was trying to tally up um how many pieces of content i created for the app this year and i was looking at this one particular meditation and someone had left this lovely uh comment and it i i, I can't access the full comment but it was someone called Alicia had listened to it and she said powerful true words and this may be the single most important meditation I've heard yet on Aura and she goes on to say something else but I can't see what it is and I was like oh wow that's a lovely thing to read at the end of the year having uh, not you know not seen much feedback on um, the stuff I've done on the app so that was very nice for me so <laughs> my tail is wagging once more and um yes let me leave you this week i'm going to actually leave you with um with a meditation that i did and this meditation is one i did for the app and it's called emerging from burnout and I think it's a nice way to to finish this last podcast of the year 
before i mean next week it'll be the new year it'll be a 2022 podcast next uh, thursday and um i just thought it'd be nice to leave you with this and what it means is i'm not going to play the sign the usual end of podcast music um so that'll be the last thing that plays on the podcast today um and it's a nice it's a nice um meditation that lasts for approximately approximately 16 minutes and um i hope you enjoy it and you'll notice a very concentrated um a change in tone in terms of the tone and pacing of my voice i mean it, you know the app is meant to be something that's for kind of calmness and being very kind of centered and you know yeah so it, it, it's it's it, it, my my voice reflects that so anyway that's what i'm going to leave you with today and um i hope you have got to the end of the year and feel relieved or you feel you've done well and you feel safe and you feel confident that you're going to roll into the new year in good shape if you have been listening uh, i can't tell you how grateful i am that you've given me your ears and given me your time and some of you have been good enough to contribute to the show financially some of you have been good enough to reach out to me and tell you how much you're enjoying it it's all very meaningful to me and very gratifying and it gives me the confidence and the motivation to continue doing it and i hope it'll continue to grow next year um and i hope you can come back and listen to more so as usual uh you can find me on the various social media channels the clear out podcast on instagram the clear out podcast on youtube the clear out podcast on what else am i thinking what's the one i'm missing twitter is the clear out too <laughs> i'm having a total brain fart uh, twitter oh facebook the clear out podcast on facebook and um you can email me if you're so motivated at the clear out live at gmail.com and other than that if you want to support the show there's a supporter link in the description to the episode you can do that to make a small or large one-off contribution or if you'd like to be a regular contributor, you can use the Patreon link, which is patreon.com forward slash the clear out. And that can just be a few euros a month, um, the price of a, a cup of coffee, if you, if, if you will. And if you won't, don't worry about it. Life goes on. I'll survive. So there you go. Thank you so much for listening. Be well, be safe. Uh, An anticipatory happy new year do mind yourself and stay listening because the next thing is what i hope will be a nice calming meditation that you will enjoy called emerging from burnout okay all the best take care i'll talk to you soon cheers bye this is a meditation on emerging from burnout to begin, please ask yourself into a place of stillness and focus. Invite the idea of self-care and minding into your consciousness. And give yourself permission 
to make your immediate wellness the priority of this moment. Make yourself as physically comfortable as possible and bring your attention to your breathing. Feel your chest rising and falling as you take in and release air. As you exhale, enjoy the feeling of dropping or sinking or lowering. Know that after your next inhalation that you will relax and soften further as you breathe out. Take a few moments to fully settle into your natural breathing cycle. Your body and your mind are grateful for this opportunity to pause and observe. What is burnout? Is it merely fatigue or the loss of enthusiasm? Is it increased anxiety and diminished appetite for life? Is it the desire to turn away from human engagement? Is it the impulse to slam the door in life's face and refuse to come out? Is it the failure to be inspired and motivated at work? Is it the ever-present feeling of defeat and the conviction you have no resources to withstand it? Well, burnout can be all of these things and more. And if you believe you are experiencing it, you have probably given more of yourself than you could afford to. Burnout is not a symptom of failure or laziness. Quite the contrary, it is typically the consequence of extreme diligence, care, conscientiousness and application. It is often associated with the workplace and is considered an affliction of the modern worker. But anyone who is rising to the endless demands of their everyday life over a prolonged period of time can be affected. Someone who is running the family home may feel even more frustrated as they do not get to experience the work home separation. This has also been a very real conflict for the many people who have worked from home during the pandemic period. You may be one of those people. Your home is not meant to be a workplace. That is not 
what a home is designed for. Home should be a sanctum, a safe place, a place of restoration and recovery. A place where you can be yourself without resistance or compromise. A place where your sense of control is not compromised or intruded upon. Burnout takes away that feeling of peace, of wellness, of strength. Burnout takes away that feeling of capability, of possibility, of positivity. Burnout takes away that feeling of satisfaction, of gratification, of motivation. Before we begin to engage with the idea of replenishing your energy and positivity deficits, let us clarify some relevant points. There is very little in modern life that doesn't condition us to continually strive for excellence. There is very little in modern life that doesn't condition us to continually be on the hunt for bigger prey. There is very little in modern life that doesn't condition us to push beyond our limits to get a better result. There is very little in modern life that doesn't condition us to believe that we have to be amazing in every aspect of our lives. As workers, as family members, as parents, as friends, as romantic partners, as healthy human animals with six-packs and perfectly toned bodies. Let's put some space between us and those concepts. Striving. Hunting. Pushing. Being amazing. These are not 24-7 activities. These are not sustainable for every waking minute of our days. To be in those states in an ongoing way is unnatural. After striving, there should be arriving and settling. After hunting, there should be eating and digesting. After pushing, there should be opening and walking through. After being amazing, there should be contentment and rest. Being depleted of your energy and life force means there is an imbalance somewhere. As stated earlier, you have given away more of yourself than you could afford. So it is time to replenish your stocks. It is time to refill the well 
it is time to plough the soil and plant the seeds of your recovery. I am going to ask you to visualise a large earthenware urn that stands as high as a table. It is a work of great craftsmanship, finished beautifully with a metallic blue sheen. This urn represents your energy. And as you look inside it, you are dismayed to see that it is empty. You could turn away and decide there is nothing to be done. But you are not ready to give up on yourself. You stand facing the urn and ask yourself with tremendous care and thoughtfulness if the urn cannot be refilled. You pause and then hear the sound of a single drop of water. You peer into the urn and sure enough you see where the water drop has landed at the bottom of the urn. You set yourself into a position to receive energy and slowly begin a large circling gesture with your arms, drawing vertical circles of energy towards your centre in an anti-clockwise direction, up and away from your navel and returning to the same place via your heart chakra. Each circle of energy moves you deeper into your earth chakra and your feet embed in the ground upon which you stand. You continue doing this until you are almost in a trance and gradually you realise that water drops are falling with great regularity. They increase in frequency until a steady cascade of water is filling the urn. You feel that this is right. It is natural and it is as it should be. You are not surprised when the urn is suddenly overflowing and water pools on the ground around both the urn and your feet. You smile and your heart is filled with this abundance of energy. This is your power, your life force, your self-nurturing element. This is available to you at all times, as long as you take the time to refill it. I am going to conclude this meditation with an eight-line mantra that I will say slowly three times before finishing. I will not strive when I should stop. 
I will not hunt when I have what I need. I will not push when there is nothing to open. I will not give more than I have. I will not do more than I can. I will not go beyond my limit. I will refill the urn. And I will be amazing in moments, not as my constant setting. And again, I will not strive when I should stop. I will not hunt when I have what I need. I will not push when there is nothing to open. I will not give more than I have. I will not do more than I can. I will not go beyond my limit. I will refill the urn. And I will be amazing in moments, not as my constant setting. And one final time. I will not strive when I should stop. I will not hunt when I have what I need. I will not push when there is nothing to open. I will not give more than I have. I will not do more than I can. I will not go beyond my limit. I will refill the urn. And I will be amazing in moments, not as my constant setting. It is in your own power to plant the seeds of your recovery. Dig the soil, plant the seeds, pour the water. You will grow again. Thank you for listening.